Steve here. Welcome back to the Home Alone Cast uh, podcast. Uh, today we're going to do a watch through of Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. Uh, directed by Chris Columbus, came out in 1992. So it'll be celebrating its 30th anniversary next year, which is kind of crazy that we just celebrated the 30th anniversary of Home Alone 1. And now we're going to be celebrating the 30th anniversary of Home Alone 2 uh, next year. And that got me thinking, well, if we're going to have a 30th anniversary for one of these movies, and the home is prominent in both of them, but it was more prominent in the first one, but it was featured in the second one, I guess we can kind of let it slide. And if the Lego set doesn't come out until the end of this year or even the beginning of next year, then, hey, it met an anniversary of some sort. Um... Anyways, uh, we're going to watch along through this. I'm going to share my thoughts about the movie as I'm watching it. Uh, at this moment, it can be found on Disney+, and as well as the first Home Alone movie, as well as Home Alone 3. Uh, the other Home Alone movies uh, that we'll be doing a watch along, which I haven't watched, um, are available on HBO Max. Uh, the movie stars Macaulay Culkin, Daniel Stern, and Joe Pesci. As, long as well as Tim Curry, uh, Rob Schneider, and a whole slew of other great uh, cast members. Um, so, yep, the movie was uh, written by John Hughes, and as I said, it came out in 1992. Uh, so, I'm going to do a countdown, and uh, once we get done with that countdown, we'll start the movie, and as I said, we'll do a little watch through. All right, here goes. Five. Four, three, two, start. Now the pure irony is, even with this appearing on Disney Plus, they still have the 20th Century Fox logo, uh, which is kind of cool and uh, odd because they are 20th Century Studios now, or Century Studios. And, of course, we start off with the wonderful John Williams score. He did both the movies. A little bit of snow to kind of give you that uh, holiday feel. Now, what's cool is I actually own a poster from this movie, um, which was part of a marketing campaign, which really didn't have too big of a prominence. Um, and you can find a copy of it on YouTube, which is the Statue of Liberty doing the Kevin face, where he uh, puts his hands on his face and screams. Yeah, I was able to get a poster on eBay. Um, it is, I believe, a pre-release A poster, uh, double-sided. It was at a theater at one time. Um, of all places, it came from Chicago, um, which is where uh, Hughes, John Hughes, uh, based a lot of his movies. Um, all right, so we're still going with the credits. All right. Do, 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 do. Bow, I miss titles like this. I mean, a lot of movies nowadays do the titles at the ending. They don't have, like, the big beginning intro titles. Movies in the 90s feel kind of like events, like you went to the theater 
to go see this great little uh, event. And there's the house. Oh, the Christmas lights on. And they're trying to order pizza again. <laughs> and there's a buzz. Our thoughts and prayers are actually with Buzz right now. Uh, unfortunately, Devin Rate, uh, who plays Buzz, just lost his uh, mom recently, so... Uh, thoughts and prayers and go out to his family, um, which is unfortunate. Losing a parent is never good, but uh, as I said, uh, may she rest in peace and, you know, hopefully she's not in pain and, you know, as I said, thoughts are with his family. And there's Kevin with the infamous talk boy. Now, prior to this movie, uh, I don't believe the talk boy was actually a, uh, a device uh, it was created just specifically for the movie, and when it was distributed to the masses, it was by Tiger. Um, they also included uh, the Talk Girl and the Talk Back, as well as the uh, Talk Boy pin, I believe. Ding, dang, dong. I mean, kids don't even dress like that. I mean, well, uh, granted, I know it's for them going to a holiday concert, but still, like, I mean, kids just uh, don't get all dressed up like that anymore. Family, it, I, I just miss because this is this is purely the '90s. You know, you, you know, you. You got ready as a family, you went and did stuff, and I feel like a lot of that's kind of been lost on this new generation. And that's just speaking as a parent. You know, I'm I'm 36 years old here in another week. You know, I've got a crazy three, almost four-year-old, and the way our parents raised us, which uh, they were baby boomers, and the way I've seen some parenting going on now, it's it's completely different, and just how people how generations have changed on wanting to go do stuff. Like, we want to go out and just do stuff. But living in Arizona, it's just way too hot right now. Uh, poor old Uncle Frank. I'm going to slap you silly. <laughs> You're cooking with Randy. Horrible that I know that. Banned Christmas lights. No, I, I think those were banned at one time because they were possibly going to boil over. They have some sort of oil in them. And uh, uh, at one time they, uh, I believe, banned them from being bought. But then they figured out how to make them so you can have them. I could be completely wrong about that, but I do remember that a few years back. 
good old Frank falling asleep. Clearly not Macaulay Culkin singing. This is some crap my brother would have pulled on me. I don't know why the music uh, composer teacher doesn't scold. Him at all. I mean, that's, that's what I would have done. I would have been like, stop. But of course, Kevin solves it by pushing him down. And there go the set pieces. <laughs> it's a very Hughes thing that for every action, there is a reaction. These mu these movies, as old as they are, they're so beautifully shot. Cinematography on these movies are really good. And of course, with the house, there's uh, there's you know all the the Christmas theming, all the red and green. Doesn't look like it's as prominent as the first movie, but then again, we only get to see bits and pieces of the house this time as opposed to last time when we saw the house in its entirety. If you do hear uh, something going on in the background, it is a fan, because it is hot. So I do apologize if there's any noise you may hear. Trying to cool off, I decided I wanted to go check the mail earlier in 116 degree weather, and yeah. Sniffer. If any of you guys uh, have an older brother or older siblings, you can probably relate to how Kevin feels. I just love how Fuller just is like, yeah, with me, and then downs a Pepsi. <laughs> I love that he calls him a cheapskate. Because he is. As I said, there's a, there's a great fan theory that we're going to talk about in one of the next episodes. Probably the next episode. About uh, how Uncle Frank orchestrated the events of the first film with the uh, robbers trying to essentially kill Kevin so he'd get the life insurance policy or some sort of, s something to that effect where he <laughs> he's like, there's a policy on the house or something. Like, basically you want him to be not only rob, but arsena, do arson on the house. And, you know, he was going to take the insurance money because his name was on the policy, I guess, and go from there. But, uh yeah, I said there's some great fan theories. The other fan theory is Kevin, uh, because he does all these traps and he likes to see people be in pain, mainly the robbers, that he uh, later would turn into Jigsaw from the, the Saw movies.
And the moonshot is in both the films. Now, I think in the first movie, when uh, it appears above the house, wet bandits escape during prison riot. It's foreshadowing. And, of course, that transition into the house. But uh, as I was saying, the moon, I believe, in the first movie, uh, there was a shot of it where it was above the house. I believe that was... um, rotoscoped in so it looked like the moon was over the house um and clearly it was painted in place there um but it's it's still a cool effect because th- it's old school methods of laying an image on top of another uh to uh to set the the mood which is really cool there were a lot of cool effects in the first one that not a lot of people even recognize and is basically just overlaying images and video. And it's cool because they don't really make movies like that anymore because everything's all digital. And uh, yeah, the uh, I- it's, it's really changed with CG. I mean, you can do stuff like this on your phone now, even transitions like they did with the newspaper. Now, a lot of people don't reckon realize this. They're like, why can't we? Why couldn't we get you know tickets all together? It's it's very much reminiscent of uh, how Kevin's plane ticket went missing in the first one. It accidentally got soda on it. It got thrown away, and all the kids are like, "Well, why aren't we sitting together?" And simply because she said, "Oh, uh, at this time of year, the this is the only flight we could get," and that's exactly uh, why they're not sitting together. And why they're kind of like not noticing Kevin. Although if I were on a flight, especially in the 90s, I would have gone back and checked to see if all my kids were there. Just to be on the safe side. Especially if the year prior we left the kid home. Fun fact about all the uh, Christmas decorations in the airport. They left them up uh, from their uh, Christmas... uh, their Christmas uh, decorations from, I want to say, a couple months prior. Because this is shot later in uh, the shoot, I believe, which it was February or so, or even January. It was, r- it was after Christmas, but they left up the decorations so they could film. <laughs> it's very weird that both these men have the same haircut, have the same jacket and the scarf. It's it's like they went to the same tailor and barber shop in Chicago. Even though I believe the the other guy that Kevin's actually chasing, uh, he has a little bit of a different hairstyle. But from the back, it looks exactly the same. I always thought that was Richard Dreyfus.
And it's going to happen again to you this year, except you get on the wrong plane and go to New York. Anybody who hasn't seen this movie, you shouldn't probably be listening to this watch through. Watch the movie and then come back and listen to this and watch the movie again. Find an empty seat back there. Sit by the French dude. Nothing bad could ever happen to you. Now, this guy that he talks to, speaks to in French, basically states his name and says, you know, I'm going to America. You know, it's my first time going to New York. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, And then he gets... Starts questioning, like, why aren't you talking to me, kid, you know? Do you speak French? And (laughs) (laughs) And I love the breaking of the fourth wall. Just staring at the camera like, really? Classic Christmas music. And notice, he had his electronics on while they're flying away. Hmm. This is what the airlines don't want to tell you. Yeah, so it shows you how technology has changed with... um, going on planes, especially with batteries and all that. It's like the batteries that we we have now could easily explode because they're lithium batteries. Um, (laughs) But the fact that he's listening to the music as a plane takes off, you know, that's a no-no because they would tell you to put that stuff away. And clearly that is a uh, stock footage shot and then they just animated the dots which just cracks me up all the time. I'm like, because that's what you had to do. You couldn't do that unless you actually had two flights that were going like that, and it wouldn't be tracking just those two flights. (laughs) He had, like, the coolest sweaters, too. This movie just makes me want to go to New York. I I think I've been there uh, when I was very, very young. Um, but I have yet to be back. I, I'm huge into photography and cinematography. So I just love to go there and shoot photos and video. And just, I love urban landscape. I'm a huge landscape guy. So it's one of those things where I'm like, I do want to go. Of course, Kieran is Macaulay's little brother. Kevin's not here. (laughs) What? I love the crowd behind her. There's this one little girl that cracks me up. She's like, huh? Huh? 
New York skyline. And I mean that obviously New York has changed a lot since this all happened. A lot of these buildings uh, have changed hands. Uh, they've also, you know, had new ownership. Uh, unfortunately, some of them do not stand there anymore. This young lady that uh, he's talking to, uh, she was in The Breakfast Club. <laughs> so John Hughes um, puts a lot of uh, different uh, actors and actresses from his movies in other movies. And this continued for many years. Um, either they're playing the same character or they're playing a different character. But he worked with a lot of the same actors. John Candy, Macaulay Culkin. Um, Macaulay Culkin only worked with him, I think, once or twice. Uh, but then Hughes wrote these movies and Chris Columbus directed them. Breaking the fourth wall again. Now, I think there is a blooper coming up here. If you look, I believe he has gloves on right now. But, yeah, and then they go into a close shot. No gloves. It's magically taking them off. All right. So we, uh, we were talking about him not having any gloves on. You probably heard my daughter in the background. I did have to pause the uh, podcast for a minute because she is quite crazy when she comes in. But back to the movie. All right. So we got Santa on stilts. Chinatown. Fireworks, which will come into play later. Statue of Liberty. So basically, we're, just, we're establishing we're in New York. Of course, the Twin Towers. Shows you uh, how much this world has changed in the last 30 years. You know, the fact that those are no longer standing is kind of just a, a testament to lightning in a bottle, as most people would say. <laughs> Not to be bringing... Us down on a uh, bad note. It almost sounded like she didn't know how to spell her kid's name. When we got our luggage, and he wasn't there. This happened last year. It's kind of coming here. So yeah, that's another thing. Th these were based off of travel, like. They, you know, left him home when they went on a trip, and both, the first one they left him home, <clears throat> and this one they just lost him. 
Um, which is, how in the heck is the TV series going to work? Uh, the series isn't really going to have anything to do with Home Alone except for kind of the, the, the bad guys. Now, the crazy thing is, is um, the Plaza Hotel does exist over in uh, New York. I always thought it might have been a fake hotel or even, like, a fake name. I knew it was a real hotel, but I thought it was, like, a fake name for a hotel. But, no, actually, the Plaza Hotel is a real hotel. Very expensive. Um, nowadays, it is about $800 a night for a room. Um and the bill that Kevin rang up for the entire room is $976. Well, let me just double check on that. 967 sorry. Um, so he, uh, in inflation, that would be ridiculously high. And it's fish. I love me some Daniel Stern. He is by far... One of the best people, or best actors, I should say, voice actors and actors and that's ever been around. I mean, I would never have guessed in a million years that he was the voice on uh, The Wonder Years until, you know, I got older and then I found out he was. And Joe Pesci, I mean, I've, I remember him back even when he had hair. I mean, he has hair, just not a whole lot like me. Fun fact is, this one and the third one were supposed to shoot back-to-back, -back, but uh, Fox rejected the idea because it would cost too much, <clears throat> so when they made the next one, they they cast uh, a different actor that's a different character, uh, and originally Chris Columbus was going to return to do the third one, uh, but between his paycheck and probably Macaulay Culkin's paycheck, because Macaulay Culkin made like $4 million, almost close to $5 million for this movie alone. And as we've mentioned, the first one, uh, the first movie didn't have a whole lot of real snow. It was, uh, I think there's maybe one or two scenes in that movie where it was real snow, uh, but that was very unexpected. Whereas the snow in this movie is practically real. A lot of it was, uh, a lot of this was shot during the cold months. And uh, there, as I said, was a blizzard uh, that went through uh, uh, New York, which is why there was a lot of snow at one point uh, in Central Park. And another fun fact is now that Disney owns this, uh, the Pigeon Lady was actually inspired by um, Mary Poppins.
She well, not Perry, Mary Poppins. She was inspired by a character, Mary Poppins, I should say. And Harry Lyme, believe it or not, is also the name of a character that was also played by Orson Welles. And the lady at the desk was Ali Sheedy, um, at the uh, airport desk. There's our former president. Now what's crazy is the last few years, obviously, there's been a whole lot of turmoil. We're going to keep this family friendly. Um, I'm not going to take sides. I'm not going to say anything that could possibly get my podcast canceled. Um, whether you support him or hate him, he's in the movie. And in some sense, there was a story where he kind of bullied his way into it. But that's just hearsay. Uh, anybody could say pretty much anything they want. I kind of believe it. I kind of don't believe it. You take it what the way you want. Um, but, I mean, he's a businessman. And if he is overseeing this hotel, if he wants to be in the movie, so be it. You know, it's he was a businessman at this time. So, But I am kind of surprised that Disney has kept uh, that little cameo in the movie. It's not necessarily a big part. You could have cut it out. Um, and they've kept it in. I mean, I know over the holiday season, especially uh, this previous election, um, there was a lot of people that were upset that they kept them in there. And the other things is other places like England and other countries, whenever they show the movie, uh, in syndication, that scene seems to disappear. And people are thinking they were doing that intentionally. And it's not. It's just because uh, when you uh, edit a film for television, well stuff gets cut out and unfortunately trump got cut out uh was it whether is it intentional who knows but uh, enough about that uh so let's look at this hotel it's gorgeous as a kid growing up watching this movie i was super jealous of that jacket i always liked his green and yellow jacket um i always thought it'd be cool to go to new york and actually kind of dress like that and He's he's living every kid's fantasy. You know, who wouldn't want to go to a place without their parents and run amok and have money to do it? This woman is just a great actress. She's been in a lot of stuff. Her name is uh, Dana Ivy. She's been in. <laughs> she was in the Adams Family. Um, 
she was also in Rush Hour 3, which was just brilliant. She was the, uh, um, the nun. She was brilliant. I mean, here's, and here's, you know, this shows you, one, how old this movie is, and two, how brilliant it is. You got Rob Schneider. You know, this is, he was, you know, straight off of SNL. I mean, look how young he is. You know, everybody knew him as the, the you know, the facts or copy guy. Making copies. This is way before Deuce Bigelow. Uh... And you can do it, you know, way before all that. You know, this is his SNL days. Um, and, of course, Tim Curry. You can't go wrong with Tim Curry. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> he, he plays douchebaggy characters uh, so well. Like, so well. Like, especially... <laughs> what is that? Uh, oh, the, oh, I'm trying to remember. I'll think of the name of it, but... Especially when he plays the criminal that... I'm trying to think of the name of the movie. Give me a second. The Hot Chick. Is that what it is? Yeah, The Hot Chick. So in The Hot Chick, I mean, he plays such a douchebag of a criminal in that, and he turns into this, uh... It's, it's basically, like, the new movie Freaky that just came out, which I know I'm just putting that together. <laughs> you know? The girl becomes Vince Vaughn, and Vince Vaughn becomes the girl. And, uh, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> just, just him as the, the character before he turns into the hot chick. Yeah. He's a complete D-bag. <sighs> shorts way too big. I'm pretty sure those were the only shorts he could find, because there's not a lot of kids that I'm sure stay at this hotel. So why they even have a pool that you could dive into is beyond me. Now, fun fact about this, not a real movie. As I said, if you have the 25th anniversary uh, Blu-rays, or even, I believe, the 30th anniversary um, 4K, um, the uh, movie, not this one so much, but the from the first movie, they actually have the uh, the film on there. I want to say it's um, Angel Angels with Filthy Wings or Filthy Angels with Wings or something like that. Because this is even filthier, Angels with Wings.
with everybody. Hell. Cliff. <laughs> Look at all this food, man. It's horrible because this was our movies were <laughs> back in the <laughs> the day. Now, the, the girl that's in this black and white movie is uh, an actress named Claire Hoke. Um, and she's been in a lot of B-movies. A lot of people are going to probably recognize her from Cool World and uh, Tales from the Crypt. Um, she's just this great little character actress. And, of course, Tim Curry doing his thing. Housekeeping. Only he would do it with like a little German accent. Now, here comes a clever Easter egg that not a lot of people would ever recognize. Now, hopefully you can spot it. It's coming up. Now, the reason I say this is a little Easter egg is think about to a Stephen King story that was made into a TV movie starring Tim Curry. feel like they're taking a job at none other than Pennywise, even though it's Bozo the Clan. Um, but not a lot of people catch on to that fact, you know, that it is a clown. And, uh... <laughs> now you're a nosy little pervert. Yeah, nobody really ever put that two together, you know, the put those two together like, hey, uh, oh, that's right, he played Pennywise until, you know, the most recent uh, It movies came out. <laughs> and this is, I love watching this, that they're at the Dolphin Hotel in Florida, and it's raining because if anybody's ever been to Florida, you, whew, or even on the East Coast, it's like, Rain.
Now, a lot of people ask, you know, why isn't John Candy in this movie? Originally, he was going to cameo. Um, and I'm pretty sure just due to scheduling conflicts and not wanting to have the same kind of characters appear in the movie more than once that aren't necessary, like, oh, he's here to save the day, probably made more sense. And I'm kind of glad that John Candy, even if he wasn't at some capacity, it wouldn't be to help the movie. You'd just be like, hey, it's that guy. Now, we do have this scene with the, the beautiful music. And, you know, everybody can relate to that, you know, being far from home and missing a loved one. I always remember this movie. My dad loved watching this movie. He took it to me like twice. Took me to it like twice. Like man, he he loved the Home Alone movies. He'd probably be so proud that, if, that I'm doing these podcasts. He knows I'm such a nerd, but yeah, I wish he was still around. I mean, he drug he he dragged me to any movie I would want to go to, especially when I was a kid, and then I would drag him to movies, even if he didn't want to go. <laughs> now the thing is, I feel like he gave him fruit stripe gum, which if you've had fruit stripe gum, does not last that long. It's disgusting. It's like six seconds of flavor, and then the rest. It's just like you're chewing rubber. I mean, it's <laughs> I would love to be at a hotel and be like, yeah, we got your limo. You can judge a lot about a person from where they know Tim Curry from. I mean, I've, I think I knew him from, no, I knew him pretty much from this first. This is my first, I want to say this was my first introduction to Tim Curry. Um, I know, I think I had heard of the name, but I want to say as a kid, this was my first introduction to Tim Curry. Um. And then from there, it was uh, Muppet Treasure Island. And then as I got older, Rocky Horror. Um, and, uh, you know, just all sorts of things. I mean, I, it blew my mind when I found out he was the devil in Legend. Um, still blows my mind that he is the devil in Legend. Jeez, babe, so... Um, but yeah, no, it's, 
it's uh, it's definitely funny. As I said, you you kind of remember. Oh, this is my introduction to this person. <sighs> Man, <laughs> I always laugh because Tim. Like I see this, and I'm like. No, Tim Curry could and should have played the Grinch. Now, what's funny, and I guess I never realized this, both the Home Alone movies, Gremlins, and pretty much all Christopher Columbus uh Christmas movies all have clips from It's a Wonderful Life in it, simply because he, I guess, he wants to uh, have it be close to real life, um, as that movie's shown, like, 24-7 during the holiday season. And can we just say, <laughs> if you were to make this movie today and it came out, and I'm sure that PETA was kind of, PETA, when... When Pesci's just beating the crap out of those pigeons with the newspaper and that one just doesn't want to move. God, I could just imagine so many people just being like super mad. And I mean they couldn't they couldn't literally like find different outfits to wear for the <laughs> for them to wear. It's like Oh, we just got. Oh, well, I guess they did escape. But how did they get their their outfits? Those are pretty much almost the exact same outfits that they. Uh, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure they would have to. You know, go into the the evidence locker or something to get their. I don't know where they keep their outfits. I've never been to jail and I never want to go, but it's like they actually had time to get their outfits when they were, you know, breaking out of jail. And Chris Columbus is in this scene uh, with his daughter. Now, as I said, all the cool, uh, some of the cool facts about this is the uh, all the kids that are extras in this scene, um, on top of being paid for the day, they each got to take home a toy uh, of their liking, um, as that was part of their payment, um, and even. Chris Columbus's daughter, who's in this scene as well, um, she got to take one home too.
There's Chris Columbus and his daughter. That little red-headed girl and that gentleman going, shake his hand. Now, Duncan's Toy Chest in this movie is based off of FAO Shorts, which is also somewhat still around, but not in the capacity it was. Um, and this one's located, I believe, on 5th Avenue and 59th Street in New York. Um, and then uh, the other one, and then it eventually moved to uh, 30 Rockefeller Plaza in Manhattan, which is where... Uh, NBC and all of that, uh, those good shows like Saturday Night Live and uh, The Tonight Show and all that uh, is filmed. And also where they do the giant Christmas tree lighting, which is also in this movie. Not the lighting, but the tree. St. Anne's Church. As I said, this is uh, Mr. Duncan. He is also in Christmas Vacation, or not Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon's Vacation, the first one. I, this is the second time I've said that. He was in the, the Vacation movie, which is a John Hughes uh, staple. And John Hughes, as I said, likes to reuse some of the characters, some of the actors. And if he can't have them in his movies, then he'll pass them on to his, you know, director that to his liking that he would like for them to use um, or even just kind of influences like hey I know a guy and actually talking to Nancy Hughes um, before she passed uh, years ago you know I got to talk to her about um, these movies because I knew he had written these movies and um, you know it's having conversations about how Hughes had this way of writing and the way he wrote people and uh, created characters that everybody could relate to, especially during the holidays. It, I don't know, it, he, the man just, he was brilliant. He could hit uh, emotions, he could hit feelings and character on the pin of a head, you know, and he, I mean, he would just, he would nail it every time, you know, in our generation, you can ask, hey, have you seen Ferris Bueller, and people are like, yeah, I can relate to not wanting to go to school, I can relate to Cameron, I can relate to having a dad that I feel like is a pushover, but he may not be, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, and then, and like, in Christmas Vacation, we all know a Clark Griswold. We know a guy, especially growing up um, my neighborhood, there was a few people that were like, yeah, I'm going to put lights up. Or you, I mean, and especially the great uh, Christmas light fight, um, you know, watching that during the holidays. Those people are basically Clark Griswolds. <laughs> I love, like, how could they tell, oh, <laughs> so I say, how could they tell by their, by the, the hat, I mean, and couldn't there be another K McAllister out there? 
out of nowhere. <laughs> now, listening to the score in this movie, uh, as opposed to the first one, like the first one has some cues that you're like, okay, if you hadn't seen these movies or hadn't grown up with these movies and you watched the Harry Potter movies, you'd be like, oh, it sounds like exactly the same. And there's more cues, I feel, in this movie that John Williams used uh, sounds for and kind of defined sounds that we would hear in more children's movies, such as the Harry Potter movies. Um, the first one, you know, there's there's a few, you know, poignant moments that you're like, oh yeah, that's that's definitely John Williams. That's definitely the guy who did the Harry Potter music. But if you listen to this one, you're like, no, this is the guy that did the Harry Potter music for the first two movies. Because obviously, or no, he did I think three movies, um, and Columbus, you know, directed the first two. Just like uh, these, Columbus directed the first two. And this shows you how much things have changed because credit cards stolen. And how much, I mean, when I say how much has changed is Kevin has, I believe, a room key. So he actually has a key key, not a key card. I mean, if they call the police, they'd be like, I'm pretty sure the police precinct would be like, uh, you're missing. Man. Daniel Stern's face. And this, his, just, the way he contorts his face and the expressions he has in both these movies, just, oh, dude. He's brilliant. He knows how to work a scene. <laughs> I always thought he did actually say it, but. <laughs> yeah, so see, he has a key, but if this were set in today's world. First and foremost, it would it couldn't because he would have a cell phone. Uh, second of all, he wouldn't be able to get in the room because he'd have a key card, and they would be like, "We're gonna just turn it off." I mean, they could have just changed the locks too, I guess, but. Oh gosh, this is one of my favorite moments. Even like even Macaulay Culkin looks like he's trying not to crack up. <laughs> he was smooching. Cliff. 
I don't, I don't, yeah, just, <laughs> just that poor man, just the fear inside. It's a lie. Bet my Tammy gun don't. <laughs> oh, my word. I mean, I remember as a kid just audiences roaring with laughter and my dad just laughing so hard. I feel like that scene's been like in every commercial for this movie. Like if you when you watch it on TV or they're showing it for like 25 days of Christmas or wherever it's airing they have like that little snippet of this scene <laughs> you would think that they'd be like there's no bullets so everybody back on your rooms And a happy new year. Yet nobody else has rented that movie. They didn't know that 30s gangsters movies existed. <laughs> Ugh. That would be so much worse than it is. I mean, and this is how well thought it is. Out it is. They saw him get dragged into the hotel. That they knew enough that, hey, if we go around back, you know, this kid's in trouble. That we're going to be able to get him. You know, the fact that they want revenge is pretty horrible. You didn't even try and pat down the kid. Well, I guess they're. I guess they really are that dumb that they didn't even pat down Kevin. Even though Marv is like the brains of the operation, Harry, you know, he has his his points, but I feel like Marv's always the one that kind of like. Poke some prods, Harry, to be like, let's get this done. But Harry's like, I'm in charge. You know, they're they're both like kind of button heads. Maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. Only in New York City. And what's great is a lot of New York has not changed. A lot of these locations still look pretty dang close, if not the same, uh, than in this film. Which is great, because as somebody who loves architecture and like landscape, 
I don't really like to see a lot of things get changed. I love architecture, especially if it's old. And I mean, even I think the even these pillars uh, have been in numerous, numerous movies. Uh, one that's come to mind right now is John Wick. Uh, I think two of the three John Wick movies, he runs through those. The fact that the kid has a hat from the first movie uh, that they just picked up is pretty, pretty uh, cool, kind of nice little nod. And once again, going back to the 25th anniversary DVDs, um, if you bought them, you had a couple different options. Uh, you had the uh, Steelbook, you had the... Um, beanie... Uh, or winter hat Blu-ray uh, collection. And then you also had the uh, paint can, which contains all of the movies, uh, especially the other ones that I haven't watched. And there's The Wonderful Life, that's what I was talking about, in Spanish, of all things. Um, but, uh, yeah, so you had your option of getting the hat, getting the paint can, now, the paint can, as I said, just came with the DVDs and a couple of other things like uh, the battle plan, a couple of other things, um, just basically like print items, not so much uh, items you could wear. Whereas, uh, as I said, that two-disc collection I got, which is the first two movies, uh, came with the beanie. And then also, uh, they all have a uh, Funko version, which I just need to get the Funko, um, but they do have... Uh, the Funko Kevin wearing the beanie, and it also came with the beanie. And I believe you can buy that by itself now as a beanie and Funko Pop uh, set. Not so much with the DVD. We're going to New York. Even... There's even red and green in their room, uh, which is funny. Even though they're in Miami, they still want this to have a somewhat of a Christmas feel. Uh, you know, or Florida. Uh, that they're going to have, oh yeah, we're going to put these red and green there. Now, here's the funny thing. They're his, his aunt and uncle, I believe, or who are these, these folks at the house, they went to Paris. They didn't go the first time to Paris with Kevin's family, you know, they didn't go to with Peter McAllister and all that. Doesn't make sense, you know. I'm, I'm sure maybe they were invited and they're just like, nope, we're gonna renovate this house, or maybe they're buying the house. Who knows? But the fact that they're like renovating and then we're gonna go to Paris. I mean, especially with this renovation, one, it doesn't really look like anybody's been working on it lately. How long are they going to be in Paris for? Because if it's an extended renovation, they could be there for months. And I always watch this scene, even as an adult, I watch this scene and I go, yeah, there's places in Arizona where I live, and even Central Park and New York City and all that, like especially at night. 
Um, I feel like this would be Apache Junction. <coughs> Out here, there's a lot of scary folks. The reason I mention Apache Junction is we do have a, uh, a lot of uh, people that uh, are there for nefarious reasons. Good old hookers want to read you a bedtime story. And this is one of my favorite shots. Now, as as scary as it was as a kid, the shadow, the the light, and the way that they put the lens on this guy's face, it's it's very similar to um, what he did later on in the Harry Potter movies. Um, a lot of the cinematography that uh, Chris Columbus uses in his movies is very much the same, um, which is really kind of cool. Now, I believe this piece isn't really Central Park. I Well, obviously. This is a soundstage Central Park, so... Um. <laughs> I was like, it, it can't be. It, it could be real, but I have a feeling and a strong feeling in the way, especially the way it's lit and everything. This has to be a soundstage. This can't even be um, really Central Park. Because one, uh, first and foremost, uh, child uh, actor laws. <laughs> I don't know how long he could shoot for. Um Child labor, actor laws, yeah. I, I don't think he could shoot that late, but he might. You know, they could have made some regulations. Maybe it's not like it was today. Um, but uh, it clearly, I, as I said, I feel it's a soundstage because the way the lighting is and the way they probably had to maintain those birds. If you had to have all those pigeons and have them, you know, fly to and from and come back and hit their marks... Um, probably be nearly impossible. You'd probably lose a couple pigeons here and there if this was really Central Park. And as I said, the fog is too, too well, you know, lit. And once again, going back to the Harry Potter movies and the cinematography, even the set design, um, especially in this uh, scene, if you look at the lights... And even there's the music. Um, all of this screams Harry Potter later on in his career, uh, which is kind of cool. I mean, you're s if you watch this movie, if you watch these movies, and then you go watch the first two Harry Potter movies, you can clearly see an evolution of how he has come as a filmmaker, especially working with child actors. Um, so, it, I mean, it's definitely as an adult and watching this again, like I'm, I'm watching this and I'm noticing this all right now. Um, that it, it's kind of cool as an adult to watch this and kind of one first and foremost to get those feelings back of what it was like to watch this movie for the first time, even though I've seen it dozens of times. Um, beginning to share my experience with people like you and realizing certain things and realizing different aspects of, you know, filmmaking and getting older and 
seeing how things change, seeing how things stay the same, it's kind of cool. Um, and hopefully you guys feel the same. That's, that's the most important part. Ugh. And here's another thing. Yellow usually doesn't look good on film. Nowadays, since everything's digital, I believe it would be... I mean, you can touch everything up in processing and color grading, but usually yellow just looks horrible on film. And somehow it works in this movie. And back to Christmas colors, he's wearing green and she's wearing what? Red. A lot of green and red because they need to have it feel like Christmas all the time in this movie. Now, I believe if we look at the conductor, nope. <laughs> it is not John Williams, even though it is composed by John Williams. That would have been a really cool cameo. Come on, Chris Columbus, you could have done that. <laughs> I would love to, like, go... Now, here's the thing... <sighs> Maybe some old theaters do have um, an attic like this, but I highly doubt it. Working in theater tech and we're seeing theaters, it's, I mean, as I said, maybe. I mean, we had uh, the catwalk and the rafters, but we really didn't have storage room up there like this. <laughs> but as I said, New York is a different animal, you know? Maybe there is an attic. I feel like it's just a set. And once again, look at how everything's designed and put together in here and old and decrepit and kind of the coloration. Harry Potter again. Which is irony because Harry Potter... I think almost all, if not the, for the exception, I think, of the last two, all have a Christmas or winter kind of scene in it. Um, no, even, even uh, I want to say six or seven had one winter scene in it. Um, I could be wrong, but I know the first two at least had, uh, I want to say, holiday uh Especially the, the first Harry Potter when you had a holiday scene in it. Dad used to say that too. If your head wasn't screwed on so straight, you'd lose it. Uh, and then these are slow moments of the movie. I wish I could talk. I mean, I could talk through it. But, I mean, it's just... 
showing that he has a big heart. It's bringing the heart of the movie, you know. Showing that he's kind of got this virtue and, and, you know, granted he may have issues with his family. Granted he may be the black sheep of the family, you know. You can always take a chance. Such a well-written movie. <laughs> you don't mumble or spit while you talk. Spoken like a true child. Sounds like something my nephew would say. So the fact that it's Christmas Eve, okay, so he's been at the hotel for, I don't know, what, a day and a half, almost two days. So, okay, first and foremost, so that, okay, as I just said, very good writing, very poor thought. This kid... You're, wait, you're telling me, you're telling me Kevin McAllister was able to get a room at some luxurious hotel like two days before Christmas? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, that is straight up lies and straight up film, film logic there. Hey, it's 22nd of Christmas. I'm going to go ahead and get a hotel room. And you're getting them for credit card fraud then? I'm pretty sure a lot of those people staying at that hotel probably booked months in advance. <laughs> and Duncan's toy chest was only slightly busy and wasn't being berated on getting a bunch of people. I mean, there was still a bunch of people in there, but there wasn't like a line out the door. You would literally think it's New York City, the hustle and bustle, you know, that that store would have been insanely busy that close to Christmas. So the more I think about it now, <laughs> it's, it's highly unlikely any of this scenario would happen. <laughs> like, if this were real life, Kevin one wouldn't be able to get a hotel. He wouldn't be able to stay at the Plaza Hotel, at least. He, you know, he'd be he'd freeze on the streets, um, which is, I guess, kind of what's happening. <laughs> but the toy store to be three times as busy. Um, and oh yeah, I mean, it's just the, the movie logic. This is by far setting up the. As we can all agree, the best moments of the movie. Now, pay attention. It says 9 o'clock there. Okay. 
So this kid's out at 9 o'clock at night. Nobody's questioning anything. There's no police. And it's Christmas Eve. You would think there'd be some sort of police presence going on. It's the, you know, it's a city that never sleeps. New York City. I mean, yeah, just movie logic, but <laughs> uh. and I just love that everything he pretty much either has purchased or he pulls out, um, you see it be used one way or another. Whereas if it were movies today, be like, oh, we're going to use, you know, two or three of these things. And we're going to show you. We're not going to show you the other ones because it's Kevin. You know, it's Kevin. Kevin sets traps. You don't need to see them all. But once again, very well written on uh, for story-wise. Like... We're going to show him setting up all these traps. We're going to show him set up pretty much every single trap. There's going to be a couple of surprises here and there um, that not a lot of people are going to see. But if you've seen the first movie, you know what it's going to be. Um, and I wonder if that scene was a matte painting or if he was actually being held next to a giant hole. Who knows? A complimentary suite that is worth like over a thousand dollars, I'm sure. Only the finest in New York. <laughs> Rob Schneider's like, I want no part of this. And yeah. Why'd you do this? Smacks the hell. The, the the lip tremble. And <laughs> so you're telling me he had three hours exactly to f do all that stuff. I can barely get my house cleaned in that long, and that's even without a toddler. 
Like, if I were to do, like, the dishes, the laundry, make the bed, feed the pets, clean out the fridge and all that, <laughs> I don't know. Did he take a lunch break any time between that? Did he eat dinner? We don't know. But he had three hours exactly to set all that stuff up. And then how far away is the toy store from where his uh, aunt and uncle live? Hmm. Is it pretty darn close or is it pretty far away? I mean, it's within walking distance apparently, but Kevin can't drive. Doesn't want to take a taxi because we all know what happened with the last taxi he got into. The fact that he's happy on a Kamara. As I said, I would love to see what's happened to Marvin Harry now. Granted, there's been those uh, funnier die videos, as well as uh, the ghoul videos, uh, where it's um, <laughs> showing showing him reenacting, or especially Macaulay Culkin reenacting everything in the house. But now, at like forty years old. Um, and, yeah, as I said, I would love to know where they're at today. Are they still around? <laughs> and that's one thing I do look forward to with the, at least the Disney Plus series, is seeing what uh, they're up to. You know? But I think they should just do a show about them. Like, I, I just think it would be great just to see, like, a younger... Like, let's go back to the early 80s or even before then. When they first met, they're super young and they're super getting into... Uh, first getting into the... <laughs> the robbery business. Uh, just the fact that he smiles for that picture. The whole time that Kevin runs up and goes into that thing, not one car drives by. Not a single one. His mom goes up there. Boom. A car. You're literally going to just knock on the door and be like, oh, nobody's home. If you know your kid, you know he'd probably do that, and he would go there. So why not stay? But movie logic. <laughs> All right, so now we're getting to 
the best, and I mean the best parts of this movie. Ugh. Now, these bricks are actually just sponges um, and foam painted to look like bricks. But when they're actually hitting Daniel Stern in the head, they're actually hitting him, but they're not that hard. And I don't think, obviously, they're not going that high, or from that high. So from where about the camera's at right there is where they're tossing them. So I would imagine that the, the bricks are probably being thrown about 10 feet up. So when he throws this one, we see him toss it. And it also could be forced perspective. It could be looking like heaven's really high up there. But it also could be, you know, 10, 11 feet. <laughs> Howie! <laughs> Just the noises. And that's one thing I'll admit about this movie the sound design and the Foley artists on this did a hell of a job. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just this. Poor man. Just like the wheezes and the, <laughs> the little flinches of pain and infliction of pain he has in his voice. Just, oh man. He commits and sells it. I just remember my dad just laughing so hard at these parts. This is, my, I think, my brother's favorite part with the uh, staple gun. <laughs> All right, so I take it back what I said. Marv is not really the brains. Harry is. Now I feel like this would come out a lot harder of force. Whoosh. <laughs> and this part right here is uh, when he turns around. Makes everybody, every guy pretty much flinch, or has made every guy flinch, <clears throat> when they've watched this one time or another. Uh, but as I said, this is I think this is my brother's favorite part. And then the slow motion. Not the slow motion, just showing the thing go from the, the gun into his crotch and onto his nose. Now that, that staple on his nose, man, that would have broken skin. 
I mean, to be fair, these guys would be dead after the first movie. And, oh. Oh, these stuntmen, too. We can think of these movies alone for the stuntman union. I love the painting on the uh, the marks from the brick because they actually do look make it look like his skin has been raised up and abrased from those bricks. Like that painting is really good. Because now you'd be, it'd be a couple of dots, <laughs> or extensive makeup effects, as opposed to being painted on, which is essentially what it is. I mean, I guess there's a little bit of, you know, liquid latex, but more or less, it looks like it's just been uh, painted on, uh, which is cool because it's still old school like kind of grease paint airbrush uh, methods now this part coming up always makes me laugh with the uh, toolkit because um, the cameraman starts laughing so when he Kicks it in now. Not a lot of people notice this, but yeah. So when he kicks it in, boom. There goes the tools. Camera's bouncing a little bit. And then <laughs> the last one falls. And if you see it, the camera starts shaking because the cameraman clearly was laughing. And I feel that they didn't know that that last tool was going to fall like that. Um. And just the how funny it was. Um, and you and that happens in a lot of movies. Uh, there are movies where they, they improvise scenes. And even if you can't hear the dialogue, like uh, Fight Club is a prime example. There's an example where they have to pick fights with people randomly. And this one guy starts spraying uh, like a priest with a a gas nozzle or a hose and the the priest starts yelling at the guy and there's no dialogue. I mean, there is dialogue, but it's been dubbed over with music, but the camera starts bouncing up and down because the cameraman was laughing so hard. Ugh, that paints. What a mess and just coming up scene for Daniel Stern that can we can we all agree okay so Harry has it somewhat bad but man Marv Marv gets it way worse like so yeah it's like Harry has you know well I Thinking back to the first movie, I guess... No, actually, Marv has the worst. Because he got the nail through the foot. And then... <laughs> and then he also got... Uh, the... Uh, 
glass ornaments in his foot. And he's also the first one to get hit by a shovel at the end of the first one. All right, so this scene right here is what my T-shirt that I have on is based off of, is uh, when he gets <laughs> electrocuted. Now, this, n these noises that he's making, obviously, he did on set. And I guess this scene was so funny that... Uh, the story goes, Chris Columbus was laughing so hard <laughs> that he forgot to call cut. And so, <laughs> so he's just going with it. And, uh, yeah, and so I'm pretty sure there's some extra footage of him doing that. I would love to see just different alternative takes of just that scene. I'd love to see a lot of our alternative takes, like the that scene, the brick scene, um, just... I, I would love to just rent... Not rent. I'd love to just see just the, all the different takes that they've done on these movies. Like, for the traps, especially. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Oh, handstand. <laughs> I just love how it's like this huge explosion with smoke. He would totally be done for if that happened, especially with the amount of kerosene in there. That would have caused a small explosion. If not from the liquid, the fumes alone. Yet again, yellow looking decent on screen. Even though his jacket wasn't yellow. you guys do hear me dur drinking during uh, the film, which you might have been hearing me uh, drink, I am drinking some coffee that I got for my birthday. That's right, yo boy. Turns 36 on Tuesday, I think, somewhere around there. Just a sneeze. Hup. Oh, man. As I said, they just that man just gets beat up so much. Harry does too, to be fair, but the amount of crap that they do to Marv is just And how many of you guys growing up uh, always thought that it was the other way around? You thought his name was Harry and the other guy was Marv. I did until I got until this came out, and I went, oh, no, it's the other way around. <laughs> Occasionally. 
knocked. Oh. That would hurt so incredibly bad. Not only would you break your fingers, you'd have the wick wind knocked out of you, and you'd probably have a couple of uh, ribs broken, if not other stuff. But yeah, my mom got me coffee for my birthday. Um, thanks, mom. Um, but uh, it's pretty good. It's really good, actually. She got me a coffee cup to go with it. And... Uh, Shim Shmeli soap. So I smell like a pine tree. Which is good. I'm not going to mention the name of the brand of the uh, soap because uh, hopefully there'll be a sponsor in the near future. <laughs> there, all I can say is you've probably seen them on TikTok you've probably seen them on YouTube their stuff is awesome and that's three Just love that. That's four. All right, now comes the tool chest. <laughs> if any of you guys need to. Take a break at all. You can always pause this and come back, and uh, I'll still be here. <laughs> but you probably might not even recognize, but there have been a couple times that I've uh, had to pause the podcast myself and the movie. So you're not the only one. But through the power of editing, hopefully, you won't notice. Keyword, hopefully. <laughs> now, this is the only trap that... Yeah, it's it's okay. But essentially, this is the only part of the movie I don't really care for with the broken noses. I mean, it's still funny. But these noses are so overly large and fake that it just, it looks dumb. But other than that, you know, it, it works. It works. Are you wearing half to shave? Oh, the rope's... I've uh, been dipped in kerosene. Why would somebody do that? You know. Classic line. Literally the worst stunt person for Macaulay Culkin. We're going to get this stunt man that is clearly more proportionate to 
an adult than a kid. Which they, I mean, they had to. Big, okay, big horse's ass. I remember that being said, and my mom being so pissed off about that. <laughs> like the fact that he said that. Because, you know, as a kid, ass was the bad word. Not so much today. But yeah, no, the, the stuntman that they got for Kevin in both these movies are just... I know it's supposed to be somebody doubling for um, a kid, as it was in the first one. But, like, literally, they go for, like, a stuntman that's in his, his like... 30s or 40s rather than the stuntman that's in his like early 20s and they're like hey you can pull this off (laughs) Uh, this And, like, the worst part about this whole stunt right here, for this, this like, one uh, stunt is just, they're, like, Indian burning the rope halfway down with those flames just in the crotch. I know that they've got, like, fire retardant and stuff on them. But, man, like... The intensity of that must have just been insane. And I feel like you only had one shot at getting it. <laughs> I love how the, the rope's still on fire. Man... If it were those two, I would just like. One, I would have said F it and I would have already shot the kid. Um, <laughs> which sounds horrible. I mean, they escaped. Nobody really ever caught them. And. Nobody would know. They'd be like, oh, these two guys that were caught by this kid killed them. There's no way they could put them. You know, in the same spot as the kid. Oh no, we were robbing a toy store. Somebody shot this kid. No, never, never saw him. I mean, and even and there's no way to like really back it up too. Like even the hotel wouldn't be like, yeah, these two guys were chasing them and uh, back to the set. What's great is, uh, I will mention this, if you go to uh, Tee Public, um, which is a great t-shirt, it's kind of like Redbubble, I believe they're owned close by to the same company, but I know Tee Public uh, is where I get most of my stickers. They have a bunch of Home Alone stickers, and the two Home Alone stickers that I love the most uh, are from... Um, the first and second movie, but uh, they have the Wet Bandits, which is uh, them as the Mario Brothers from Super Mario Brothers 3. 
Uh, it's kind of like the design of it. Uh, Harry and Marv. And then there's also a sticker uh, that you can purchase. You can even get it as a magnet, which is the next thing I'm probably going to get. Which is um, one of the Polaroids. Uh, pictures of them at Duncan's Toy Chest. And it's literally in the shape of a Polaroid. <laughs> and it's perfect. Um, so T Public is where you can get those at. Just type in Home Alone 2. Scroll through the stickers. Uh, and find what you like. So... <laughs> These pigeons, one of these pigeons actually entered uh, into the mouth of Daniel Stern. Showing the scream that he did from the first movie was actually him. My brother, this is my brother's favorite, uh, like, gag with the, the birds. Because I guess there's, like, one bird on his crotch. Or, my brother's all about crotch humor for some strange reason. But he said that just the birds sitting on him and him just screaming like that just cracks him up every time. And here's another uh, John Hughes, kind of Chris Columbus um, thing uh, that he does in all his movies. The police cars uh, sliding. They even did it in the first movie. They do it in Gremlins. They do it in... Pretty much any movies that have police. I even want to say the Goonies did it, too. Bad guys saying they're going to kill me. I love that's all he cares about. We miss the presents. <laughs> the one stupid pigeon that just flies out of nowhere. Shut up, Mav. I love that he's reciting <laughs> the, the letters. And Harry has to correct him. I. Because, I mean, and everybody goes, these guys are that dumb. And there's a line that they said, you know, I didn't make it past for the sixth grade. Neither are you. The most New Yorker accents. Yeah, guy, uh, he broke your window, huh? Here's a note. P.S. Thanks for the total dubs. Oh, man. And you would believe this man would own a, uh, a, a toy store. He just, he looks like such a nice guy. New York uh, and New York City uh, affiliated stuff from t-shirts to bumper stickers to neon lights that strictly screams out New York City, Times Square. They would be selling like that, like a wazoo. Tourist traps. 
Like, I feel like anybody who goes to New York, even myself, would be like, I need to get stuff that says New York City on it. So people know I have been here. <laughs> I just, I... And the cops in these movies are awesome. They always are like the compass leading the the uh, characters to where they need to go. It's like their moral compass, I guess, in a sense. And as I said, um, there's movie. There's movie logic that's in this movie, which, as I said, I didn't even start realizing until um, we got to those points. Which, as I said, everything from him getting the hotel room. And here's the thing. How did the hotel have a suite? A giant suite for the 900 kids and people that are with the McAllisters on Christmas Eve. How? And it's Christmas Day actually now so like they robbed so now we don't know what time it is like what time is it um in new york right now because they broke into the toy store at midnight they chased him those traps if this is all in real time (laughs) five or ten minutes no, I, I want to say that took an hour. So right now, we're looking at 3 in the morning, and this kid has been going on for probably 36 hours. No food, no coffee. We haven't seen him eat. We haven't seen him drink. Except for when he was at the hotel. That was almost two days ago. <laughs> so you're telling me it's like 2 or 3 in the morning. On Christmas Day, and nobody's questioned this kid once. Movie logic, but it's, uh, as I said, if we can overlook that, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just great writing. It has a happy ending, but still, at this point, it feels like it's 9 o'clock at night rather than like 2 or 3 in the morning. So we get him back to the hotel. So I want to see what time it is now. Like, and I f- <laughs> and I guarantee you, this is the real blizzard that came into New York. I can almost guarantee you that that's not fake snow. Now let's see what time it is in the morning. Fuller, I love, is like the first one to wake up. Like, he didn't wet the bed. He didn't have Pepsi the night before. Oh, no, he's got the whole bed to himself. That's right. So, looking at the clock, it looks like it is. Looked like it was about 6.40 in the morning. 
So you're telling me between midnight and the time that the the bandits got through all the traps and the cops showed up to Duncan's toy chest that they could plan out getting all these presents to the hotel that they'd have enough time. I mean, I said, this poor kid still hasn't eaten. <laughs> Except for, I, I take it back, he had the cheese pizza, but he's also had the ice cream. But as I said, those were like a day and a half to two days ago. This poor kid, he's just like, he's, I guess, very resilient. Maybe he's a survivalist. Maybe he had some stuff in his backpack that we didn't know about, like Tic Tacs. And show of emotion <laughs> once again the other entrance of somebody almost saying shh <laughs> I mean it's that was what makes this movie is they don't actually say it and I think the reason they almost have them say it in the movie is because uh, as we have noticed when we watched the first one uh there is a uh, scene where you hear Daniel Stern say it under his breath, but it made the film. And then he had enough time to get dressed and run out and go there. And you're wearing almost the same outfit that you have been wearing for the last two or three days. Did they not bring his luggage too? <laughs> Like, come on. This poor kid. No wonder they leave him at home. Like, literally. Uh, I get it. He's the black sheep of the family. But still. Come on. Is that bird dead on her shoulder? It's not even moving. There's one, like, right behind her head. Okay, no, I guess he's there. He's just, he just pooped on her. And these poor birds are so cold. And that's definitely right after the blizzard. That's all real snow. And I think I think the parts on of uh, this where it's kind of a little bit darker snow, I think those are actually where they had the fake snow. And then when it really snowed. I feel that if they are giving them the hotel room and all that, that they should expunge some of those charges. Kid was just trying to survive. 
And thus, as I said, $967. That's probably... And that was just on room service. Wow. Poor kid. Okay, and then I guess that would explain why he wasn't so hungry, because he probably ate enough in those first two days uh, to uh, <laughs> survive, I guess. He was on a sugar high. And that is the end of Home Alone 2. So, what have we learned about this movie? Well, first and most, foremost, still holds up. It's still a great movie. However, uh, as we've started to realize, there is a lot of movie logic that does not add up. There are a lot of unanswered questions and plot holes when it comes to actual logic in the film. However, it's still greatly written, and it is still very well starred. We can all feel the pain for the wet bandits, sticky bands, whatever you want to call them. We can also feel the pain and lingering in love when it comes to the uh, family, or mainly his mom, missing him. Um, so, still a great movie. Still get those great little feels watching it, much as the first one. Um, but as I said, there's a lot of movie logic, and watching it and kind of picking it apart while we're sitting here and reading fun facts and finding out fun facts about the film uh, as we're watching it um, still is pretty great. I mean, watching it now at 30, almost, as I said, 36, uh, as opposed to, let's see, 92, I want to say it was 7, 8, somewhere around there. Um it's like, I don't know, it's, it's different. Uh, it's, it's, as a dad, I couldn't imagine my daughter being that. <laughs> she would, she would be able to set up those traps. She'd probably be able to hold her own, but still, as a parent, leaving your kid and not knowing where they're at, not knowing what's going on, that's still a scary thought. And anybody who's a parent, can kind of relate to like my kid's gonna do this but especially in the 90s uh, as i said it was a simpler time and it was an easier time however there was uh pay phones and i remember many times using the payphone to call my parents with 1-800 collect because i didn't have a cell phone cell phones weren't that big of a an item when i was in high school i think my first like cell phone was like this horrible horrible sprint and I think you had to pay extra for the internet and texting. That's how old I feel and how old uh, cell phones are. Um, but then later, you know, cell phones got better, obviously. And, uh, you know, as I said, that's that's why I feel that the new show eh, may not work all that well. As I said, I we, we're going to find out if the logic still works in the other Home Alone movies, because those other Home Alone movies are during this decade of when technology is starting to catch up. And is it going to be <laughs> different or the same? Or what? what's going to be the logic on those? Um, because, as I said, I haven't watched any of them. Uh, I've seen these first two numerous times. Uh, but the, the three, four, and five, I think... I haven't seen any of them. 
and I'm I'm literally like forcing myself to watch these next three when we decide to watch them. Uh, but I thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for uh, taking the time out of your day to fire up your DVD or stream it on um, Disney Plus. As I said, the first three movies are on Disney Plus at this moment, which is June 26, 2021. And the other two, um, I believe, are on Hulu with an HBO subscription or HBO Max as well. Um, so there's definitely a way to watch them. Um, and if you don't have, uh, any of those and you just own the DVDs or even the VHS, um, I'm pretty sure, uh, you can always wait until six months from yesterday, (laughs) which is, uh, Christmas Eve that, uh, they'll be on, um, Free Farms, 25 Days of Christmas. And I'm sure that they're going to announce that any time now of what movies are going to be showing. Because a lot of channels like Hallmark and all that are doing Christmas in July. And I know that even uh, Free Farms started doing the promotions for the 25 Days of Christmas, like, literally uh, yesterday. (laughs) I was online, I'm like, you're already... Okay, like they're saying it's halfway to Christmas, so, or six months to Christmas. I love Christmas, so I can't complain. All right, guys, well, I'm going to let you all go and have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Um, Thank you for listening to our podcast. Once again, this is the Home Alone cast, and this has been a watch through and watch along of Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Um... And if you like the podcast, please leave a review. Make sure it's five stars, whether you hated it or loved it. Uh, we still just love those reviews on Apple uh, Podcasts or you can uh, wherever you can leave a review. Um, we're also on Spotify. You name it. You can find our podcast pretty much on almost all podcast uh, formats. Um, that also being said... Um, if you want to be part of this podcast, you can find us on Facebook at Super Nerd Sanctuary. You can find us on Twitter at Super Nerd 2 underscore 0. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Super Nerd Sanctuary. And uh, you can also find our podcast, if you don't have Spotify or anything like that, you can find us on Pinecast. Um, if you go to our Twitter, uh, that'll lead you to, um, our Pinecast, um, page and, uh, you can find the podcast there as well as all the cool graphics and stuff. Um, the next episode, uh, we'll probably be doing a, uh, Christmas vacation versus, uh, the home alone, uh, series and, uh, kind of explaining, similarities and or why they're beloved movies what makes one better what works better in the other what works doesn't work as well in the other um and the different characters and who <laughs> who we would like to have seen and show up in the home alone series um so i mean it's gonna be fun and um 
we're even going to delve into a couple of fan theories on uh, the next episode as well. Um, if we don't specifically delve into the fan theories on the next episode, then we'll definitely dedicate a whole episode to it uh, of just the different fan theories that people have. And you can even, as I said, go on Twitter and chime in or even on our um, uh, Instagram page and Facebook, wherever. Uh, we also do have an email. You can email us at supernerdsanctuary at gmail.com. Um, and you can submit your ideas if you'd like. Um, so, you know, as I said, we have different fan theories that we're going to talk about. Um, and, uh, then again, we're going to do another watch along. We're going to do Home Alone 3 this time. And then from there, uh, we'll eventually get to the other films and we'll see what's going on with both the Lego set and the, uh, the TV series. And maybe I'll even delve into my idea for the Wet Bandits show. Um, so, as I said, thank you for listening. On to the next episode, guys. And we'll see you next time. Also, as a reminder, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. And a Happy New Year. Alright, guys, keep the change, you filthy animals. And we'll see you next time. Bye.